0: I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 77. Psalm 77, as we uh, look into God's Word together. Um, a lot of uh, discouragement, a lot of darkness, a lot of depression and despair in our world today. Uh, we can hide ourselves from it. We can kind of put our head in the sand and hope it goes away or think that it's not there. But it is there, And and there's a lot of people struggling today. And and uh, the the psalms of lament, I, I truly believe, have a strong message to each of us. Of uh, maybe maybe we aren't uh, in the midst of a time of depression right at this moment. But um, I heard one preacher one time say, it's almost like um, we're either we're either coming. Into a time of discouragement and trial, or we're going out of one and we can kind of high five each other as we go in and out. And, uh, but it, it, this, we live in a broken world. And, and so the Psalms of Lament have a very unique message for us today. And, um, and so we've been looking at some Psalms of Lament. It's not, it might not, maybe it's not something that you spend a lot of time in, but I hope that you've grown to love the laments and this, um, this unique dialect and language of lament that God has given us in Scripture. Um, And so, uh, as we open God's Word, let me pray once more as we come into this time. Lord, uh, there might be even one in this place who is truly in a pit of despair. The psalmist David often spoke of being in the pit, the miry clay. And um, I pray that you by your spirit, Lord, could use your word to speak to each one of us. One might say, I've been there, but I'm not there right now. And Lord, we know that you are the source of hope. You are the source of strength. Uh, You give us perspective. Um, And so maybe you'd like to use us to minister to someone else. Maybe here maybe at our place of work, at our school, uh, wherever we find ourselves. And so, Lord, I pray that this psalm, Psalm 77, could be a, a message that we bear in our hearts and be able to quickly share it with someone else in their time of need. And so, Lord, um, speak powerfully by your Spirit, we pray. Uh, as I submit myself to you, I just pray, Lord, that, that uh, your Spirit would have... Um, full reign, and give us ears to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, depression and uh, deep, dark despair is no respecter of persons. And uh, I want you to see just a brief video clip uh, of, of a very tragic situation that occurred in in one pastor's life recently, one pastor's family. So listen to this, please.
1: Turning now to some tragic news on National Suicide Prevention Week. 30-year-old Jared Wilson, a pastor of a megachurch in Southern California who is known for his mental health advocacy, has died by suicide. Officials at the Harvest Christian Fellowship Church say that he died on Monday. NBC's Simone Boyce is following this story. And Simone, Wilson regularly spoke about his personal struggles. What kinds of things would he talk about? Allison, he was unashamed of his struggle with mental illness. He dedicated his life to telling people about Jesus as well as the realities of depression. I want to just read something that he wrote in his blog posts. Mm -hmm. In his own words, Jared says that he, quote, suffered from severe depression throughout most of my life and contemplated suicide on multiple occasions. Mm -hmm. So he would often talk about this in blogs, in social media posts, and also when he was on stage preaching to his congregation at Harvest Christian Fellowship. And this is a chilling tweet that he actually sent out just before he died on Monday. Here's what he said. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts, depression, PTSD, anxiety, but that doesn't mean Jesus doesn't offer us companionship and comfort. He always does that. And actually, on the day that he died, Allison, Jared was officiating a funeral for another Christian woman who had taken her own life. So this was just something that was always in his life, and it seems like he was constantly struggling with it. Oh, Simone, just an absolutely tragic story of what happened that day. Uh, you, you know, he also founded an organization outside of his church to help people struggling with mental health. What other things can you tell us about his work? It sounds like he did so much in this space. That's right, Allison. He created an organization called Anthem of Hope, along with his wife. He is survived by his wife and two children. And he really created this organization to try to normalize mental illness and being a Christian at the same time. That was something that he spoke boldly about, that it's okay to be a Christian, to love God, to love Jesus, but to also acknowledge that we are broken and we are human. And I think that there is this misconception with pastors, especially pastors of these large churches, we tend to Idolize them mm-hmm. almost, and put them on a pedestal, and forget that they are struggling with some of the, some of the same things that people in their congregation are struggling with. And that kind of messaging is throughout the Bible. Allison, you know, several church leaders told Christians that church leaders are just that—they are just leaders. They are human, and they are flawed as well. Oh, Simone, it's just an absolutely devastating story, no doubt. His friends, family, and congregation absolutely heartbroken today. Thank you for sharing uh, his message with us. Thanks, Allison.
0: So, like I say, we can ignore it, uh, but you know, this just happened uh, a little over a week ago, and um, and on that same day, another high-profile, you know, spiritual leader committed suicide. And and uh, so, listen. The point is is that there is deep despair and discouragement in our culture. It, we, this world is broken, and, and praise God that He has revealed truth to us to help us in these times of deep darkness and despair. This is so sad. This can be avoided. This can be avoided. And that is one of the reasons that we are given psalms of lament in the book of Psalms, the songbook, the hymn book of ancient Israel. They would sing these words. And, um, and so God is saying, no, 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 stop, listen. Through my truth, I can direct your thoughts to a proper perspective in the midst of the lies that the evil one would love to whisper in your ear. I can speak truth to you and help you through this. And we as a, a body of believers can help each other in this. So Psalm 77 almost gives us a strategy for fighting darkness. So here we are, Psalm 77. Um, this this woman said that Jared Wilson often spoke boldly. It's okay to be a Christian to love God to love Jesus, but also acknowledge that we are broken and and human, and uh, and sometimes we do think some people are above this, right? Uh, and and they are they are not. We, we pastors, church leaders struggle just like everyone else. Um, and and I like that she said this. I feel like she probably must be a believer. That kind of messaging is throughout the Bible, and that's in our text. Th- this kind of messaging that there is hope beyond these dark times, and um, and so this was uh, Jared's administrative pastor at Harvest Christian Fellowship. He said at a, at a time like this, there's just uh, there's no words. Sometimes people may think that a pastor, spiritual leaders, are somehow above the pain and struggles of everyday people. But uh, And it says this, we are the ones who are supposed to have all the answers. And at the, same, uh, at, the, at the end of the day, pastors are just people who have to reach out to God for his help and strength each and every day. And what we're going to see in Psalm 77 is um, a song leader by the name of Asaph, uh, a choir director, a worship leader, who is reaching out to God for help. And what a beautiful picture, what a beautiful example for us in Scripture. And, uh, and so we are in Psalm 77. We're going to see, uh, as Klaus Westermann, uh, this good German, says, uh, Lamentation, he's an Old Testament scholar, Lamentation is the chief component of prayers in the Old Testament. So who lamented in the Bible? Moses, Samson, Elijah, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, a whole book uh, of Jeremiah written uh, by Jeremiah, Lamentations, Job, David, Habakkuk, and Jesus Himself, as um, as we've seen him, um, uh, qu- various uh, Psalms are quoted uh, by him, and um, and so of these people who lamented, who who wanted their life to end, who who prayed to God, take my life, Moses elijah we just uh, we 'll study him uh, this passage, and just sat under the broom tree under the juniper tree, and said lord there 's no reason for me to live anymore. Just kill me, take my life Jeremiah job, Jonah, do you realize that this is in the scripture? so we can ignore these uh, we can ignore these char- you can 't ignore these characters these are these are very um, Uh, very uh, godly role models for us uh, used mightily by God in the midst of their times of struggle. We're going to look at crying out to God in distress and doubt and then remembering God's power to save. So each lament starts in the pit and ends in praise. This one starts with sigh, deep despair, and ends with singing. Of praise and worship and 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 victory in God. So please let these speak to you. Uh, our theme verse, uh, Psalm thirty-four: "The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit." Um, in the Book of Psalms, were the uh, written Hebrew poetry. So when you read poetry, and usually in our scriptures, it's 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 even um, written. The, the text is different. Uh, as you look at a psalm, it, it's written differently, and so sometimes you see it in the prophets, um, but in the in the wisdom literature, often you'll see this sort of Hebrew poetry, and it's a way of expressing ourselves powerfully by way of experience and emotion. And lament psalms are the most common psalms in the Psalter. Um, all right, here's here's the pattern again: an in introductory appeal. We'll see this in verse one. Crying out to God. Uh, The lament comes, a complaint, uh, and we'll see this in in verses like 2 to 9. And then this confession of trust. Sometimes these are woven together, these last three. This shout of praise, this petition to God, and we'll see this in verses 10 to 20 of this psalm. Um, One of the books that has helped me significantly is a a newer book uh, written by this pastor out of Indianapolis. Um, that I don't know how to pronounce his name. And and the title of the book is Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, Discovering the Grace of Lament. You can get it for 11 bucks on Amazon. And and if you go to his website, uh, the first thing that pops up is Hope Springs from Truth Rehearsed. Listen to that. Hope Springs from Truth Rehearsed. That is the message of the laments. And, uh, and so this is um, Mr. Pastor Mark, okay? Lament rises from the firm belief in the character of God. We see this. Um, an understanding of the brokenness of sin and a heartfelt longing for the completion of God's redemptive plan. Lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. That's good, all right? A prayer in pain that leads to trust. So... Follow along as I read in Psalm 77. It's for the choir director. According to Jed, Jeduthun, um, an, uh, another worship leader, um, a psalm of Asaph. My voice rises to God and I will cry aloud. My voice rises to God and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. In the night, my hand was stretched out without weariness. My soul refused to be comforted. When I remember God, listen to this, then I'm disturbed. Isn't that an interesting? When I remember God, then I moan, I, I'm disturbed. When I sigh, then my spirit grows faint. You have held my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of long ago. I will remember my song in the night. I will meditate with my heart, and my soul ponders. Will the Lord reject forever, or will he never be favorable again? Has his loving kindness ceased forever? Has, has his promise come to an end forever? Has God forgotten to be gracious Or has he in his anger withdrawn his compassion? Verse 10. Then I said, it is my grief. And I think the ESV says, I I appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. That's significant. I appeal to this. To the years of the right hand of the Most High, I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I'll meditate on all your work. I will muse on your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? There's a A much better rhetorical question than the others. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the peoples. You have by your power redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. The word saw you, O God. The water saw you, O God. The water saw you. They were in anguish. The deeps also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth a, sh- a sound. Your arrows flashed here and there. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The, the earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea. Your, and your paths in the mighty waters. And your footsteps may not be known you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Drop the mic. Done. This uh, psalm communicates to us that we are to cry out to God in prayer. Remember His power to redeem. And Christ will conquer your darkness. He will conquer your darkness. Um, The darkness will lift. Trust me. You say, I can't see it. The darkness will lift. You can count on that. It's a fact. God is moving history in the direction of darkness lifting. And, um, And there's a day coming in your life, that it will lift. And so we start with uh, this crying out to God. Psalm 77 is a lament of Asaph, a Levite who led one of the temple choirs and teaches us that in order to lament, you must resolve. Listen, you must resolve to talk to God. Okay? You say, I am so weak, I don't even know if I can talk to him. You've got to keep praying. You must talk to Him. And if you can't talk to Him, you have a friend talk to Him with you and for you. Pastor Mark says, Clearly the psalmist is reaching out to God in the midst of his pain. Please don't miss this or take it for granted. It takes faith to pray a lament, to pray in pain, even with its messy struggle and tough questions is an act of faith where we open up our hearts to God. Prayerful lament is better than silence. However, I've found that many people are afraid to lament. They find it too honest, too open, too, too risky, maybe too raw. But there's something far worse. Silent despair. This is far worse Giving God the silent treatment is the ultimate manifestation of unbelief. Despair lives under the hopeless resignation that God doesn't care, He doesn't listen, and nothing is ever going to change. People who believe this stop praying, and they give up. Psalm 77 says, absolutely not. Do not give up. The darkness will lift and uh, and this is the message that we see in this psalm. And so the tone of the psalm, clearly, uh, this song is one of great despair, confusion, doubt, and depression. One uh, one commentator said it's a psalm of moods and tenses. Um, another another commentator says that uh, this person was sleepless and speechless. Um, look at those verses three and four. When I remember you, God. Then I'm disturbed. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? When I, and then, when I sigh, then my spirit grows faint. You've held my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot even speak. He's got sleep problems. He, he's, I, I, I've, heard, I've had someone say to me, I am so depressed that I can't even read Scripture. We'll come back to that in just a moment and we'll talk we'll speak to that so here's the structure of the lament: the opening plea in verse 1 the lament carries on in verses 2 to 9 um, ends in these six questions of doubt and then you see these two selahs in there one Selah at the end of verse 3 so you're singing along and then he says when I remember God then I'm disturbed when I sigh then my spirit grows faint pause 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 what do you think of this and and then, and then he goes on with the lament, and then he ends with these six questions of doubt, and then another pause and so these are meant for emphasis in the psalms okay, and so're we 're studying this together. The day of my trouble, I sought the Lord, and so here he cried out to God in the night, my hand stretched out, just like this person in the Bahamas that we saw a few weeks ago um, this should be the posture of a person dealing with deep darkness, despair, and depression. Hands, he even says, he says they um, in the night. My hand was stretched out without weariness. So this is something he could do. My soul refused to be comforted. Verse six says, verse five and six. I've considered the days of old. Um, the years of long ago, I will remember. The word remember is a key word in this psalm. I will remember my song in the night. Has God given you some songs in the night? Can you remember times in your life where, where there was a song? Even in the midst of the darkness, there, he gave you a song. What a beautiful thing. I, I remember this. It's almost like, yeah, there were days like that. But not anymore. I'll meditate with my heart. And then he begins to ponder with his spirit. And that's when he starts to ask these questions. So verses 7 and 9 are six honest questions of heartfelt doubt of God and his character. But they teach us the value of confessing our doubts to God. So... These prayers are here for a reason, right? They, they, they are here to guide us in our... These are prayers. These are songs. So he's going into a deep pit of darkness. And he finally starts asking these rhetorical questions that reveal something to us about his doubting heart. Will the Lord reject forever? Or will he never be favorable again? And then notice that he references, he's kind of accusing God of of not being loving anymore. Has his loving kindness ceased forever? Has he forgotten about his promise? Has his promise come to an end forever? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Is his anger kind of overshadowing his compassion? And... um, and so the fact that this is in Scripture, brothers and sisters, is, is evidence to us that, that we can ask questions like this to God. This is under the divine inspiration of the Spirit of God. And so take, take note of psalms of lament. Pray them yourself. Many times we know very little about the historical background, the context of the psalm. And I think that's purposeful so that we can put ourselves into it and pray it along with this song leader. So note the attributes of God, his loving kindness, His we could say his faithfulness, his trustworthiness to his promise, his grace, uh, his compassion, his anger. Asaph is praying and struggling with darkness, discouragement, and depression, and he feels very distant from God. He's miserable. Can't sleep, can't hardly speak. Derek Kidner, Old Testament scholar, says the very presence of these prayers in Scripture is a witness to God's understanding. He knows how men speak when they are desperate. God put this here. God spoke these words. Tim Keller says God put these prayers here. God is identifying us with us. He is a God of grace. I am the God of these people who are saying this. I am your God because I am a God of grace. And, and these, we must remember these words. Um, and so the psalm, the structure of the psalm closes with verses ten to twenty, where all of a sudden there's a change of tone, and uh, and he's remembering God's works. There's a confession of trust, a vow of praise um, concerning God's greatness and power to redeem, and then he closes with this strange string of um, of uh, verses. That we're thinking, what what does this have to do with with anything? Why is this a song of praise to God? Okay, those are the questions that we might ask. All right, John Phillips says to the doubts and questions which plagued him, the psalmist simply imposed the history of of the past, um, God's hand in history, particularly Hebrew history, uh, and that this was one of the greatest apologetics for the Jewish soul. God's hand, his hand in history. His hand in history. So let's look at it. Um, verse 10 uh, is where it starts, and there's a turning point in verse 10 where he appeals. I think the ESV translates this uh, well, where he appeals to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. Now, the, when when the psalmist, when when the scriptures speak of God's right hand, they're they 're referring to his strength okay, you 're feeling weak you're you 're feeling like you can hardly even speak you 're so weak but but now he 's referring to god 's mighty hand, and it is a it is a um, it is a poetic way of speaking of god 's powerful strength to save and um, and so it 's no coincidence that he says this to the years of the right hand of the most high in Exodus thirteen Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out from Egypt, from the house of slavery, for by a powerful hand the Lord brought you from this place. Exodus 15, after they came through the waters of the Red Sea, they sang this song. The deeps covered them, talking about the Egyptians. They went down into the depths like a stone. Did you see them? They they were just crushed by the water. Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic shatters the enemy. The darkness will lift. Turn to the person next to you and say, the darkness will lift. (laughs) I'm telling you, that's what this psalm is, is trying to communicate in strong poetry, is you can trust that the darkness will lift. God will bring the victory. And just as He has done in the Exodus, and we will see where our strength lies in this psalm. Deuteronomy 7 For the Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than the peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples, but because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt." Look at verse 11 with me. This word remember is repeated four times in the psalm, two times here in uh, in verse 11, and it reveals the importance of clinging, and I, I chose that word carefully, clinging to the wonders and the mighty deeds that God has done in the past during our times of depression and darkness. We're feeling depression, darkness. It's creeping in all around us. We don't know if we can pray. We don't know if we can even read scripture. Uh, but we, we cling to the deeds, the mighty deeds of God that he has done in the past. Verse 11, I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Now look at, in Hebrew poetry, these phrases kind of compound like, like snowball on each other. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I'll meditate on your work and muse on your deeds. These four words are telling us you've got to keep your nose in the truths of God's Word, especially in the times of darkness. And if you can't do it, you need a a brother or sister, you need a, a dear friend who will help keep you grounded in, in these truths. So, so important for us. Uh, so, um, so verse 11, he talks about the deeds of the Lord, your wonders. Uh, in verse 12, he talks about your work, your deeds. Verse 13, your way, O God, is holy. Um, and then, then this question, I, I love how this question just pops up. What God is great like our God? So I got to ask the question: So what in the world changed from verses one to nine that in verse thirteen he's saying your way, O God, is holy? What God is as great as our God? You are a God who works wonders. What changed? And all I can say in in this context is the words "remember." Meditate and muse. Remember, say that with me. Remember, meditate and muse. Those words should be emblazoned on our hearts as believers because you might not be in a time of darkness right now, but it will come. And you need to remember these words. Remember Psalm 77 and what God teaches us and how he understands us when we pray in these times. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength. You have by your power redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob, Joseph. So this um, this is how this second portion of this psalm this confession of trust, this vow of praise uh, proceeds and and then the psalm ends with this song of praise and victory containing a string of powerful images. The psalms are full of images and, and they communicate something. And this is to reinforce the centrality of God's redemptive work in the Exodus. So in verse 15 he says, You have by your power redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. And so he pauses on that, and then all of a sudden he says, it's almost like these images are coming back to him. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you. They were in anguish. The deeps trembled. The clouds poured out. It's like God is using all of these various things of nature and accomplishing his work of redemption in his people um, and 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 so these images and and notice if you will with me um, the, the at the end of at the, at twenty you led your people like a flock. Look at verse fifteen. For you by your power redeemed your people. It's almost like bookends here around this section um, that we are your people, and he uses the word flock. We we are the sheep of your pasture, your flock. And there's a sense of security that that the psalmist is feeling as he uses these words, your people. Turn to the person next to you and say, we're in this together. Your people. We are in this together. You see, we, we are his people. We are not individual like isolated islands. We are his people. And we... We suffer together. We weep together. We rejoice together. We are to do this together. And the psalmist, most most scholars would say that this psalm is an individual lament, but sung by the community. And so, uh, on the back of your uh, bulletin, uh, your your sermon outline, I put the various places of uh, individual laments, uh, communal community laments, and then some quotations there. But notice that 77 is under community lament because they would sing this together and so uh, they are reflecting upon how god redeemed them by his powerful right hand and he says right snuck in the middle there your your footprints may not be known hmm like if you've ever been on the, on the uh, beach and, and you walk, maybe you walk along the beach, you walk down a mile or so, and then you walk back and you try to find your footprints and, and, you, and you can't find them anymore. The waters come up and they're gone. And it's like the psalmist is saying, you know, it's like I can't even see how you've worked, but I know you have. <laughs> I know you've redeemed us. So in those times, sometimes you can't trace his footsteps, his footprints. And yet you must cling to the promises of his powerful redemption. Pastor Mark says, do you see what's happening here? The psalmist anchors his questioning, his hurt heart to the single greatest redemptive event in the life of Israel. This moment defined his understanding of God's character, Remember, he was doubting, he was questioning God and his character. All of a sudden, this Exodus event, this is the redemptive event, and this tells me more about your character than all those lies and doubts that I was thinking. This defines you. The Exodus was an anchor for his weary soul. For the Christian, the Exodus event, um, the place where we find deliverance is the cross of Christ. This is where. All our questions, our heartaches, our pain should be taken. The cross shows us that God has already proven himself to be for us and not against us. For the promise for Christians is as glorious as it is deep. And I love this. Jesus bought the right to make everything right. Isn't that awesome? Say that me: Jesus bought the right to make everything right. In the moment of darkness and despair, you're thinking everything's wrong. I can't see clearly. I can't hardly even speak. I can't sleep. I, 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 you know, you're all messed up. But then you appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. You remember. You remember. You meditate. You muse. And all of a sudden, you're asking a question like, "What God is as great as our God?" And you don't even know how that happened but you began to cling to the promises of God. It's like an anchor. We've got to have anchor passages in our life. As we we close with some application, I just want to say, I want you to be thinking of what are your anchor passages. You might not be in a time of darkness and despair right now, but you probably will be. In a broken world, there's going to be things happen. An illness, a death of a loved one, um, loss of a job, you name it. Uh, and, and there will be times of darkness that hit. And in those moments of despair, you must remember a psalm like Psalm 77 and open your Bible. Keep talking to God. Ask Him your questions. Meditate. Meditate. Remember and muse. Anchor verses. All right. Application number one Have you cried out to God for his redemption through Jesus Christ? This is the posture of a sinner in need of God's mercy. I, I can't even imagine what this was like in the Bahamas, and I don't use this picture to treat this lightly. We we, we talked about this disaster, this natural kind of disaster that comes when we, have no pl- we had not planned on this, they had not planned on this, and then this happens. That's the kind of thing that can hit us. That's the kind of way in which the laments can minister God's mercy to us. We must cry out to God for His mercy. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ and... And, and maybe you're in the pits of despair, but you have no way to fight the darkness if God by His Spirit does not dwell within you through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Romans 3 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus and Jesus alone can save. Jesus can lift the darkness. He can conquer. He can help us fight these periods of despair and depression that can even lead to suicidal thoughts. Ephesians 1 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace which He has I mean, the Spirit of God chooses words specifically. And and so, however this is to be translated, this word lavished means He has just poured out His grace on us. (laughs) If He gave His own Son for us, how will He not give us all things? We have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. What are your anchor passages? What do you hang your your life on when the darkness is creeping in? If you don't have anchor passages, you'll be sucked under. You must have some truth from God's Word about His mighty deeds that you meditate upon. And it's contained in Scripture. The psalmist anchors his questioning, hurt heart to the single greatest redemptive event in the life of Israel. This moment defined his understanding of God's character. The Exodus was an anchor for his weary soul. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Passover and the Exodus. Christ is our Passover. Christ is the power that redeems us and sets us free from slavery to sin. Not slavery to Egypt, but slavery to sin. And he can redeem us and buy us back as his own. Powerful. If you have not trusted Christ, I I plead with you to cry out to God for mercy, for his forgiveness, for his cleansing, for his saving you um, by his grace. Number two, what would be your questions of doubt to God in your lament right now? If you were to... Somebody, somebody was uh, sharing that, that they have been um, writing their own lament. Um, would your lament contain some questions to God? Like, why is this taking so long? Where are you? Are you going to stay hidden for so long? I don't think that these psalms were like, these were written with emotion. Verses 7 to 9, he is, his spirit is pondering, and he cries out to God with these questions. They're doubting God's character. You've forgotten to be gracious? I encourage you to write your questions of lament. And maybe these verses in 7 and 9 will help guide you in, in your questions. What passages of Scripture do you use to anchor your soul to who God is? What passages of Scripture do you use to anchor your soul to who God is? All the lies come in. All the, you know, the enemy is, is the father of lies. He loves to deceive us. And so we start to believe these things that aren't even true. And unless we're anchored... To various scriptures. And I I just, I just, um, I remind us of the anchor, but I I jotted these down. Uh, We just read from Romans 3, uh, Romans 8, we just read from Ephesians 1. You could go to a passage like Isaiah 53, Colossians 1. You come up with your own passages. I can remember one pastor friend uh telling me that Ephesians one was always his go to passages go to passage in times of discouragement. What is yours say i don't know i don't have one you 've got to have one. you must remember, meditate, and muse so you say i don 't have strength to do that, and so i 'm not very techy, okay. But look at this. One, two. right? Wait, wait for it. Wait for it. Three. And I go down to this passage, and I start I, I listen. I can start to listen. They don't know how to pronounce it. I don't either. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. say, I don't even have the strength to read the Scriptures. Listen to it. There's so many tools available to us. I don't read very good. I can't understand. I can't pronounce it. I can't either. There are so many tools available to us. You, believer, you have no excuse to not be anchored to the truth of God's word in times of discouragement and despair. we I'm speaking to myself. I have no excuse, Bob. And so I ask you, what are your anchor verses? Write them down. And in those moments when you feel the darkness coming, you must turn to them, meditate, remember, muse on the truths of God's word. I encourage us as a church to be anchored in this way, and then we can help each other. So you have an anchor passage, and somebody else is is floundering, and you throw them an anchor, and 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 or you throw them a line. Maybe you don't want to throw them an anchor; then they'll sink. And, and but okay, throw them a lifeline. Okay, now I'm going to change the, the picture. Okay, um, no, don't say, don't throw them an anchor. Uh, Give them your anchor verse, that's what I meant to say. Share your anchor verse with them. And then fourth, what do we learn from Psalm 77 about dealing with depression and suicidal thoughts? I think it teaches us a lot about it. I really do. There's there's an old bulletin blooper uh, you know, the mess-ups in the church bulletin. We don't ever have any, I don't think. But, uh, but some churches do, and one church uh, somehow put this in there. And wouldn't this be a, a, a word of discouragement to somebody already depressed? You know, don't let worry kill you off. Let the church help. <laughs> you don't mean to say it that way, but instead we do want to help in times of anxiety, worry, depression, darkness... We can help each other. We're in this together. Robin Williams took his own life said, all it takes is a beautiful fake smile to hide an injured soul and they'll never notice how broken you really are. I just called somebody yesterday just to ask how they were doing. Simple call. Anybody could do it. And they opened up to me about their immense pain that they've been in. They literally made this statement. They said, If I had a gun, I think that I would use it. And I said, Wait, really? No, listen, you always take those things seriously. And then they, they, they backed away. They said, No, 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 I don't even have a gun or whatever, you know what I mean? But listen, always take statements seriously. Ask further follow-up questions. Ask about how they're doing. Uh, Be people of hope. Bring others. Enlarge the circle around them. We're in this together. Offer a loving, listening ear. Be like Planet Fitness. We need to be a judgment-free zone. My goodness. They don't need someone to come along and just tell them what to do. Take them to Scripture. Give them some passages to hang on. Give them some hope. I remember my wife saying to someone deeply depressed years ago, if you can't hope, I'll hope for you. Listen, we can hope for each other because we know where hope exists, and it is in the person, character, and work of God through Jesus Christ. Here's Jared Wilson. Um, there's a, there's a young mom and kids without a dad now. Um, it's, it, it can be avoided. It can be avoided. You don't have to go there. God's given us everything to fight for it. Fight for hope. Fight against the darkness. There's another Jared Wilson who is, um, with Midwestern Seminary, um, Theological Seminary in Kansas City, and, and um, they knew each other because they had the same name, except that this Jared Wilson is with a, an E instead of an I, Jer- Jared, not Jared, and, uh, and he said, we, we didn't know each other, he writes a blog, uh, not really, but we shared the social media version of an Achilles heel because we shared the same name, sort of, his is spelled Jared, mine Jared, and, uh, and um, I, I enjoyed pointing out to him that, that mine is the biblical spelling, he says. But because of this, we shared the same good-natured frustration of frequently being confused uh, for each other's online um, posts. Last week, Jer- Jared um, Wilson in Kansas City writes, as you may already know, Jared took his own life a frequent battler of depression, both his own and that of others in his advocacy for mental health awareness and education in the church. He, for reasons known only to him, decided he could not fight anymore. There's no need to wax poetic about that, lest we run the risk of romanticizing it. Depression is a perverted mirror. It lies to us. And the reality is that Jared and this Jared share a bit more in common than just our name because I have stared very closely into the darkness myself and wondered if I could go on. I won't wax poetic about that either. It's not for you to know the gritty details. I've shared them with those closest to me. But for two fairly significant periods in my life in the past, I've struggled with depression, including thoughts of ending my life. I'm doing well now, we could add by the grace of God, and have been for a long time, but I know the feeling of everything being too much, the weight of of the fear of never getting better, the emotional drowning of all those breakers and waves. I've heard the lies that nothing will change, that nobody really understands, that people would be better off without the burden of me and all the rest. And in a brief, doubtful moment, I believed them. That is the enemy speaking. I don't know what brought me back from the brink, really. A different kind of fear, I suspect. The fear of missing out on what might happen tomorrow, more than likely. Tomorrow would be just the same as today. But every day seems to bring the same pain, the same worry, the same hopelessness. But what if tomorrow's different? Do I want to rob myself of finding out? Or do I want to hurt those I love? A residual curiosity about what might happen if I don't give up, thankfully proved slightly stronger than the despair. And then he says this. This is um, Jared Wilson. For seriously depressed persons, I know these thoughts don't come easily if they come at all. For those seriously struggling with suicidal thoughts, the illness crowds out rationality and logic as well as sentimentality and faith and hope. But it is in these moments, perhaps, that faith must be faith. I, I like that faith must be faith in these psalms of lament, we truly learn what faith is it 's clinging to the character of god when everything is broken and everything seems hopeless that's what we are learning if you cannot see oh if you cannot see the light as the saying goes cast an anchor in the dark and i love this doubt your doubts believe what you can't it is in our deepest despair in our inability that we can find the surety of the Lord. I know well the feeling of hanging on by a thread and seeing it as my clinging to the hem of Christ's garment. Sometimes that's all we can do, but He can do all things, and through Him, so can we. There's our hope. What changed He appealed to the right hand of the Most High. He started to meditate. He surely meditated. I'm I'm sorry, he remembered, he surely remembered the wonders of old, and I will meditate on your work and muse on your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? And so... I ask you, worship team, as you come, I ask you, what are your anchor verses? Use your YouVersion app. I don't know. I'm not very techie, but I can figure it out. So can you. you say, I don't have the strength to read it. Let it read it to you. I know the guy's voice is kind of boring, but, but let, let, let your device speak God's word to you. In those moments of darkness. And, and please, let's realize that we are God's people. We're in this together. And and we have a responsibility to others. You might be doing well right now. Praise God by His grace. Uh, but, but maybe there's someone else that is struggling with great pain. Um, I'm so thankful for the body of Christ. So thankful that there's been other people reaching out to this dear dear person that I spoke to yesterday. Um, Get the circle bigger. Get more people in that. If you need to get some professionals in that, get some professionals in that. If if there needs to be some medication of some kind to help with a chemical imbalance, do what you need to do. I'm on medication. I don't care. Uh, It makes me feel better. I I, I truly feel better. And so uh, if you're miserable and you continue to be miserable, and, and, and you don't want to get help, that's a bad place to be. Humble ourselves and and, and put our hands in the, in the air and say, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. I'm broken. Um, I'm feeling in despair, and, and it's, darkness is creeping in all around me, God. Are, have you forgotten me forever? Are you, Oh, really? So your anger is taking over for compassion now? And then turn to his word. Or have someone share some verses with you. And then anchor your life to those. Cry out to God in prayer. Remember his power to redeem. And Jesus Christ will bring victory over your darkness. The greatest redemptive event in all of history that a believer in Jesus Christ clings to is the cross of Jesus Christ. So make your anchor verses something to do with what Christ has accomplished. Center it in the cross. Center it in the person and work of Christ. All the Bible points to him. So make your verses strong in the person and work of Jesus Christ can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. Victory will come. The darkness will lift. It will. It will lift. Do not believe the lies. Cling to the truth of God's word. Let's stand and worship together.